Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This is episode 231 on the Get Married podcast, and we're super excited to be bringing you a sneak peek of what's to come in the Merry Body Online Summit, which is all happening on the 1st to the 2nd of February, 2020. So we're sharing a full interview that we've just recorded today, which was absolutely amazing with Ellen Jackson, who is a psychologist. So Emmy, what do we talk about? We talk about what a flourishing mindset is and I mean, it sounds pretty good, right? And how we can get to a place of flourishing mindset and they're really simple action steps. That's the best bit about this chat because, you know, they're things that we can implement into our lives straight away. Mm -hmm. So we're really excited to share this interview with you. This is just one of the over 20 (laughs) interviews that we have that are happening as part of the Merry Body Online Summit. It's a free event. It's happening online the 1st to the 2nd of February, 2020. If you want to get on board, if you want to tune into these interviews, they're all free. All you have to do is sign up over at summit.themerrymakersisters.com. Grab your free pass and get ready. Get ready for inspiration, motivation, get ready for action steps, get ready to really catapult your 2020. I think we can all decide that let's just make 2020 the best ever. Yeah, because <laughs> why the hell not? <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed this interview with the amazing Ellen Jackson. We definitely did. We've written down pages of notes. We've stuck post-it notes up around our house. We've changed our whiteboard with a new quote. So lots of amazing stuff is about to enter your ears and your mind and your heart. Let's get started. Welcome to the Get Mary Show. Let's be best friends and talk about real life, the mess, the magic, and everything in between. Every week, you'll walk away feeling inspired with doable action steps and realize you're never alone. I'm Emma. And I'm Carla. We're your hosts. You might know us as the Merrymaker Sisters. And yes, we are real life sisters. Are you ready? Let's get merry. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) Welcome back to the Merry Body Online Summit. And we are so excited to be joined today by the amazing Ellen Jackson, who is a psychologist. And we're pumped to pick your brains, which I know, I bet you hate that saying. <laughs> we hate that <laughs> saying, Carla. <laughs> no, it's actually a phrase that I use all the time in my podcast because I have guests come on and I want to pick their brains. That's exactly what I want to do. So I'm more than happy to be on the receiving end of that. Oh, amazing. Well, you actually interviewed us recently and you talked about a term and it was called the flourishing mindset. I just want to get straight in. What is a flourishing mindset? Okay, so I'll start by setting a bit of context and explain what flourishing is as Mm. I use the term and as my colleagues use the term. So flourishing from a psychological point of view comes from, I guess, positive psychology, which is a relatively Mm. new area of psychology, but the last 20 years of research. And it's really research into what we call optimal human functioning. So what makes us operate at our best? What makes us our happiest, our most successful and really flourishing in all areas of our life? And so researchers over the last about 20 years have started to look at what that means so you know what contributes to positive relationships what contributes to achieving our goals what contributes to a sense of satisfaction and meaning in life meaning and purpose a whole raft of different things fit underneath this umbrella and it's what we call flourishing in Mm. hand I suppose and I think the reason it came up so when we talked about it in our podcast episode I think the reason that it came up was because I thought that you girls were just perfect examples of flourishing. I think one of the examples that you gave at the time was about um, working your way through, you know, various stages of your business and at one stage being 
you know, in a room with all of your belongings in boxes all around you <laughs> and realising that even though, you know, from the... and <laughs> was making funny faces at me. Um, <laughs> From the outset, you know, that might not look like flourishing. You know, you're kind of at a a bit of a crossroads with your business and you're not sure where you're going to go. You've got all your belongings in a box. You're essentially looking for your next place to leave. And yet in yourselves you were content and happy and satisfied and knew where you were going and felt like you had a sense of meaning and purpose in Mm. your life at that point. And that was a perfect example of what flourishing is. It's really being able to kind of live and operate as our best selves in any given moment. Oh, yeah, I love that example. And I mean, yeah, you took me right back there. I almost started crying, like of happy tears. I was like, I remember that moment. And although it was really tough, it's also quite a fond memory now. I would love to know like what, so there's flourishing. Is there other terms that we can Mm. describe mindsets with, you know, that aren't flourishing mindsets? Yeah, so basically when it comes to kind of the flourishing and and the mindset's one component of it, so we're looking at a real whole-of-life approach, Mm -hmm. but obviously our minds play a huge part in how we, you know, achieve that kind of flourishing, thriving state. Um, You know, our brain is right, you know, the the driver's seat really for everything else that we do, how we think, how we feel, how we act, how we exercise, all of the Mm -hmm. wonderful things that we're talking about here on the summit. You know, your brain is the bit that puts you in the driver's seat that allows you to take the steps to pursue all of those activities and all of those Mm. goals. So that's kind of the mindset aspect of it. And I can talk you through in a moment, you know, the practical stuff of how that works and and what you need to do. But where it kind of comes from, if if we look at, and I'm going to try and draw this with my hands now, (laughs) if we look at the mental health continuum, So, you know, going from when we're really at our perhaps lowest in terms of our psychological and emotional health, maybe struggling with, you know, quite significant clinical distress or clinical ill health or illness. And then we kind of have a normal curve that goes like that. And most of us sit in the middle of that. You know, most of us have got pretty moderate mental health and we're reasonably happy, but we might not feel like we've got a strong sense of meaning and purpose, or we Mm. might not feel like we're kind of kicking goals in every area of life, or we might have particular goals that we're trying to pursue that we're not, you know, really feeling we're achieving, or we're just not feeling really happy. Mm. But, But the majority of us kind of sit there in the middle. At one end, that kind of as it comes up that slope, there's what we call languishing. So people who are languishing are really kind of you think about a pot plant that's not thriving, but it's surviving, you know, yeah. so it hasn't died, but it's really not looking at its best. It's a bit it's like, it's a bit brown around the edge. Yeah. Wilting. Yeah, it's a bit sad. It's yeah. wilting, exactly. So that's, I kind of, in my mind anyway, what I think of when I think of languishing, you know, it's mm. surviving, but not thriving. Yeah. Really struggling. And, and when we're in that area, no matter what that looks like for us as individuals, we are at risk of then what we call clinical levels of distress. You know, we're mm. at risk of slipping back. It wouldn't take much perhaps. You know, our resilience might be low, might not take much to really knock us over the edge. Mm. So that's at one end. But then at the other end, we've got this little segment of the population, this little skinny triangle at this end, who are our thriving and flourishing people. So it's really kind of right at the other end of the mental health spectrum which is the exciting place and that's where I like to operate and it's where I like to help, you know, my podcast listeners and Mm. my clients to kind of be able to operate at that end. So that's kind of where that flourishing mindset piece comes from and it encapsulates or incorporates lots of other ideas that people might have heard of from psychology like your growth mindset, which is this idea of accepting that, you know, from every failure or potential failure we've got the opportunity to grow and to thrive and flourish so we can learn from that so that's allowing ourselves to sometimes take risks and reminding ourselves that we can do things that perhaps we feel we can't and that if it doesn't work out exactly as we'd like it to that's where we learn and and that's why it's called a growth mindset rather than being a place that feels unsafe or scary or we don't want to kind of venture there because it's going to threaten our ego or threaten our sense of self or just, you know, threaten our financial security, whatever yeah. it might be. Oh my so growth mindset's another kind of element. There's lots yeah. of components to it. 
It's so cool. Like I just love hearing about, because it's stuff that we always talk about, but hearing it from a psychologist's point of view and, you know, like where scientific research like is in it as well. It's like, oh, cool. I just love it. Uh, What about, what about if you are at a place where, you know, you really, you'd like to begin or you'd like to have more of a growth mindset but you just know in yourself that you don't have that. So like you're really adverse to risk, you're scared, you live in that kind of fear place of like self-doubt and like worrying what people think of you and I couldn't possibly do that. Like can you suggest like a simple thing, a simple action that people can do to to lead us into this growth mindset? There's yeah, probably several. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is and, and I mean the thing with human beings and change and changing our habits and changing our behavior is that it's really kind of a short-term simple thing mm, having said that, there are actually some really simple things that have come from this field of positive psychology and studying optimal mm. functioning that I think are, are enormously helpful when it comes to making those sorts of mindset changes so for lots of us we uh have you know, we've all got different personalities and we're all wired up differently. So for some of us, you know, we are a bit more risk averse than for other people. For mm-hmm. some people that, you know, taking steps out of your comfort zone or being really optimistic or challenging yourself just comes more naturally than it does for others. So I think it's a great question, Emma, is, you know, what, what are the simple things that we can do? Mm. And one of the really cool things about the positive psychology research, and please excuse my children who are not. I like it. I love it. It's very real. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about the real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what you're getting. Um, so the exciting thing about this is that one of the things that we know we can do that is, is really taking simple action is comes from a, a model that underpins a lot of this well-being research or has guided a lot of it, certainly the practical stuff over the years. So there's a, a guy called Martin Seligman who's known as the father of positive psychology. Mm. So he was the guy who actually stood up at an American Psychological Society um, Association, I think they are, addressed just at the turn of the century thereabouts, late 1990s, and said, I think psychologists, you know, we've done a wonderful, wonderful job over the last 100 years helping to help people who are perhaps not at their best but we really need to start looking at that. You know, that might be 20 to 25% of our population who are struggling with mental ill health. There's 75 to 80% of our population who are not in that camp and mm. yet we don't know much about them. We don't know much about what helps them to be resilient and to be mm. optimistic and to have a growth mindset and to learn and to flourish, etc. So he kind of stemmed this exploration of the research that sits under this umbrella. And he also came up with a model with some colleagues known as PERMA, so P-E-R-M-A, and I can send you some stuff on this. And that are kind of, they're like the five, I'm going to say simple, simple but not necessarily easy because there's Mm -hmm. a difference. So the five steps perhaps to thriving and flourishing, increasing your well-being. So mm-hmm. the, the P is a really important one because the P is all about positive emotion. So all those feelings that we might have that help us to feel good, to thrive and to flourish, and, and they're the obvious ones like feeling happy or feeling love or feeling joy or feeling, you know, maybe gratitude. So they're mm. more obvious. But it also includes things like feeling curious and feeling mm. optimistic and feeling kindness and feeling uh, hope is another mm. great one. So any of these feelings that we can not only cultivate but really savour when we have them and when we experience and noticing them because that's mm. often one of the first parts is actually noticing when we're having them because our brain is always wired. We have this kind of inbuilt negativity bias that's designed to keep us really hyper alert for all the crappy stuff Wow. That happens, you know, where things go wrong and when things feel threatening and when things make us sad or they feel risky. So we automatically, our brains will go to those things first. They're like, wow. red flag, red flag, pay attention, you know, otherwise something bad's going to happen. Yeah. So we have that inbuilt negativity bias and it's really important because it's designed to keep us safe. Yeah. But it comes from a brain from, you know, tens and tens of thousands of years ago that had to keep us physically Mm -hmm. safe when we were perhaps under threat from Mm -hmm. 
rival tribes or, you know, predators and wildlife that was going mm. to kill us. And life's moved on. Yeah. But our brains haven't necessarily moved on mm-hmm. in terms of that kind of hardwiring. So now we see threats from what other people say and what we think they mm. think about us, you know, our perception. So lots of social threat. We see threat from things like our ego and our sense of security, you know, sense of identity and who we are if something threatens that or threatens our financial security or, you know, all of those stories that we tell ourselves. It's all made up. But our brain will go to those stories yeah. quickly. You know, that it will head straight for those stories, the things that are going to threaten us because that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. But, of course, that can be really, really unhelpful. You know, if it is made up, if you're perceiving threats that don't really exist, then they can keep us locked into habits and behaviours and, and lives that are not thriving and flourishing. And sometimes they can actually lead us down some really crappy negative spirals that leave us, you know, overwhelmed and bewildered and, and sometimes unwell. Mm. So what we can do where this positive emotion comes in yes. is actually start to try and retrain our brains to notice the positive things, if not head of the negative things, at least as well as the yes. negative things, yeah? And then we get a choice as to which one we're going to pay the most attention to. So if I can, you know, perhaps be in a situation where I want to try something new, something different that I've not done before that feels threatening, you know, I can let my brain go, oh, it's scary, I don't like it, I don't like it. Or I can ask myself questions like, you know, is it helping me to think this way? Mm. Will it help, you know, is there another alternative? Is there a different way of thinking about this challenge? And that's where perhaps that growth mindset comes in. You know, can I think of this perhaps instead of as a risk that's going to threaten me, can I actually think about it as an opportunity to grow and learn no matter what happens, you know, no matter what happens when I try this new venture or this new project Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be, you know, is there a possibility that I'll learn something? Yes. Okay. Well, then that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. And then amazing. you kind of push, push you forward a little bit. So paying attention and retraining your brain and then the positive emotions is really just when you feel them, savour them. Yeah, what we do is, and this is another kind of really fascinating concept that's come out of the positive psychological research, is an effect called the broaden and build effect. Mm -hmm. So when we feel positive feelings across that whole repertoire, what it allows our brain to do is instead of tunneling down into kind of little, you know, more and more problems and negativity, it allows our brain to open up and expand our thinking so we start to see possibilities and then we can build on those. That's called Mm -hmm. the broaden and build effect. So simple things like doing a yoga class, you know, at the end of it you're feeling Mm. zen, you're feeling confident perhaps in yourself, Mm. you might be feeling strong in your body, you're feeling relaxed, you might have had some wonderful words of wisdom from yourselves as your teacher and, you know, you're getting that kind of positive emotion kick and then all of a sudden problems don't feel as big, do they? So true. You feel like there's more possibility and what that is is this broaden and build effect going on in your brain. You've allowed that positive emotion to come in and kind of flood the brain with the good chemicals that allows all of that you know, kind of that mechanism to come into play and you start to see positive things. So, you know, whether it's, and then it's about working up, you know, what's your bag? So is it yoga? Is it just going for a walk? I'm a big fan of walking. Yeah, me too. Is it spending time with the people that you know make you feel good? Is it phoning a friend? Is it, you know, sometimes I actually prescribe, I say to my coaching clients, you know, if you need to get yourself into a good frame of mind, watch a comedy on Netflix. Yeah. Prescribe Netflix. Yes. Love it out loud. Things that inspire you. Yeah. Episode that I recorded with you guys. You know, we talked about the things that inspire you and documentaries and all of that. Yeah. Helping to create that those positive feelings in your mind that give you the scope then to perhaps step outside of your comfort zone or try something new or think differently. That's so exciting, this broaden and build. It makes me excited. I'm like, wow, it is so like, there's actually so much more to, you know, having those grateful thoughts and feeling those feelings. It's actually doing something, not just to my present moment, making my present moment Mm. amazing, but like 
maybe for probably for potential future self. Well, I mean, I can even, we can use ourselves as examples. I mean, I didn't always watch inspirational, motivational Mm. content. And I know as soon as we started going down that documentary wormhole, like literally like throughout our TVs and would Google inspirational movies, (laughs) motivational documentaries, we had our big list and that would be what we watched. And I know, I know Mm. that completely changed our mindsets and that's what, led to feeling and living more into that flourishing mindset Mm. and I mean like and like everyone we can all do that like that's the best bit we can all add more motivational more inspirational whatever it is for you it might be different for you at home into our lives even if it is like two minutes a day Mm. like just like making sure we do that whether it's your gratitude practice your breathing your yoga your walk Mm. your sunshine I mean, wow, this is very exciting, I feel. <laughs> so that was only so the yeah, P, though. Like, we're only up to P. only the P. Far out. <laughs> but I think, you know, the thing I love about the P is the P. The thing I love about the P is that I love this. It, I think it's one of the simplest things we can do. It's one of the simplest things we can wrap our heads around once yeah. we've got an understanding of what's going on. But it is about, and then the key is that paying attention Mm-hmm. and really savouring those moments when they happen and also using it as a conscious strategy. So if you do need to expand your thinking or you need some motivation or some inspiration or you just want to feel better, mm-hmm. then, you know, doing those things like you described, Emma, and, and, you know, going for the walk or playing with the kids or the dog, you know, pets are fantastic, whatever it might be, mm. can be enough. And if we keep doing that, if we take conscious action around that, you can almost build it into your day as, you know, yeah. I need my wellbeing time. And it might be sitting and having a coffee in the sun or yes. you know, whatever works for you. But you can actually, and they're really simple things that you can do that you can incorporate into your daily activity that is not only making you feel good, as you say, Carla, in the moment, but it's helping to retrain your brain to be mm. more focused on the positive. And then you have that whole broaden and build effect that's going to increase the likelihood that you'll try something new, build a new habit, you know, thrive and flourish. A it's more. just so, amazing. It makes you realise how important those little moments, what seems so little in your day, how important they actually are and for us to all prioritise them. If something makes us feel good and happy, like let's do more of it. And I think, you know, and and it's when like, I mean, like I've experienced this and I've seen it with other people as well. When you are going through hard moments or like really difficult situations, sometimes you put those the coffee in the sun or the walk or the yoga at the bottom of your priority list. But literally that's the best thing we could do is stepping away for a moment from that problem and experiencing this joyful thing or whatever it is for you. And then it's like that will give us the next step, the ability to see this, this maybe like mess of a situation with another perspective and then we can take action and make it better for ourselves. I mean, wow, so cool. (laughs) I think you've tapped into a really important part of this, Emma, because I think one of the reasons that we tend to put that at the bottom, you know, those activities at the bottom of our list is because often we don't give ourselves permission to do that. Yeah, we feel like there's all these other priorities that have to come first. Our work has to come first. Our families Mm -hmm. have to come first. Our relationships, our fitness, you know, we have this list of things that I have to do, I should do, I must do. And things like having a coffee in the sun, we go, well, you know, that's a luxury. I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing that. But in actual fact, when we, again, we reframe it in that way to say, well, actually this is, and I often use that kind of, you know, putting the air mask on yourself before you help mm. others. You will be a better boss, a better employee, a better partner, a better parent, a better colleague, a better friend, you know, if you are thriving and flourishing because it wow. has a positive flow on effect to other people. So giving yourself permission to say, you know, I'm not just doing this, even as self-care, I think the word self-care has become a bit overused. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm doing this because this is is for my mental health and well-being. Yes. This is actually really, I'm no good to anybody else if I'm somewhere down the end of the mental health spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to be up the top because then I can really do what I need to do to perhaps, you know, perhaps help and serve others. So when we reframe it, I think it's easier then to give ourselves permission to do those things and, and take that. And it doesn't need to be long, you know. It, it, and some of it doesn't even need to be 
an activity. It is just mm-hmm. noticing when you feel good, when you're having a laugh with a colleague mm-hmm. or a friend, you know, it's actually going, that's one of those positive moments, you know, let's just soak that in here for a yeah, second. Yeah, relish in oh the God, moment. I love this so much I could cry. Me like, too. I'm like, I'm like, really oh, I, like, hang on, we're having a moment. Like we need to relish in the moment. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You know, all of that, all of that laughter, all of the smiles, all of that kind of just, you know, mutual, oh my God, I get it type moments. Yeah. You know, they, they are fueling your well being. Oh, oh gosh. This is the best. I know, I could just sit here and listen all day. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Let me quickly go through this. Yes, keep going. We'll, just, we'll, day, we'll stop and you talk. <laughs> yeah, okay, no worries. Um, so the E is for what we call engagement. So this is when we're really uh, fully absorbed in the moment or in an activity. So if we're, it's when time both stops still and passes really quickly at the same yeah, time yeah. you're doing something and you're just like, oh, my God, four hours just passed. When, where did that time go? And when we're in that state, which is also known as flow, mm-hmm, and yeah. it kind of um, originally athletes would talk about being in the zone, you know, just being in that space where you are so absorbed in what you're doing that time does stop and pass really quickly at the same time. And when we get into that zone, when we experience that engagement, what we know is that that's a really significant contributor to our well-being as well. The more we can and the more often we can be in that state, the better we start to feel. Mm. And there's a few different reasons for that and there's a whole lot of underlying kind of mechanisms that I won't go into, but I can give you some resources for anybody who's interested in in learning more about Mm. it. Um, But one of the things that I particularly love or I think one of the ways that I find most helpful for thinking about it is because if your brain is really in the moment, if you are so engaged in what you were doing, whether it's baking or craft or music or running or whatever it might be, it can't be worrying about other stuff. Mm. Yeah. You so know, you're not, if you're, I use sport as a great example because I do a lot of workplace stuff with blokes. And so, you know, with blokes, I say, well, when are you, what are you so engaged? Are you totally in the moment? Yeah. And a lot of them, especially the younger ones and, and some of the older ones, because we, you know, with different sports, will say, oh, look, you know, when I'm playing footy. Mm. Yeah. Because, and it's like, well, because you can't be worried about the conversation you had with your partner that didn't go well that morning or what you're going to do next week while you're so in the moment you know when you're playing sport you've got to be all there right yeah then. and it's exactly the same with any of these other activities where we get completely absorbed i'm doing a jigsaw at the moment actually i've been really excited to see lots of jigsaws popping up on instagram yeah we, jules yeah yeah jules, jules who's who did an interview yeah. with us she said this as well jigsaws, jigsaws. and we've been cross stitching yeah we've been cross stitching yes, and perfect. oh my god yeah. like yeah you cannot focus on anything else literally no. and it's very cannot. hard to put it down sometimes yeah i know i'm, I'm, the, I'm still sitting there going. at 11 30 at night going <laughs> well, you should go to bed <laughs> <laughs> Perfect examples of act, really simple activities again that you can do that fuel this kind of engagement. Anything, and it's interesting because often our hobbies are our most engaging activities mm. because they're things that we choose to do. Yeah, yeah. they're not. Nobody's making us do them. Yeah, quite often we're squeezing them in in weird times mm. in order to do them. So we're kind of already primed to be really engaged in them, and then you know the doing of them is just that simple time passing totally in the moment that allows a whole brain and body and system to calm down but often also gives us a sense of satisfaction which mm-hmm. is really important a sense of achievement you know there's nothing like I'm not far off finishing this jigsaw that I've yeah. been doing for about two months but I'm really <laughs> looking forward to kind of looking forward to putting that last piece in and then it'll be like oh, okay now I'm finished yeah anyway, but you, you need know, a new one you know, yeah I do um <laughs> but the cross stitching you know every bit you do you see progress mm-hmm, yeah. and that is something that humans really thrive on as well is actually yes. progress towards meaningful goals. So Amazing. that's the E in engagement and I think the really simple way, I mean, there's far more complex ways that we get it to, we get it at work, there's, you know, there are whole other conversations mm-hmm. but if we're just talking about practical things that mm. we can do, then, you know, do a cross-stitch, do a jigsaw. Yeah, um, yeah. Bake, you know, yeah. music, play music, read yeah. a novel, whatever it is that 
gives you that experience. And this is where our personal kind of preferences come in because it won't be the same. You can't mm-hmm. describe and say, you must go and do a cross-stitch because for some people that would be the most hideous thing. Yeah. My husband would not ever do a cross-stitch. No, yeah. so true. Yeah. yeah. And I have an 11-year-old who he just gets out and shoots hoops. That yeah. That is his thing. Perfect. Um, so it's about really finding what your thing is yeah have a thing or you don't know what your thing is then experiment a bit yeah or think back to what you like to do as a kid you know, mm-hmm. were you the kind of kid who liked to do Lego were you the kind of kid who liked to always run around you know think mm. back and use those past experiences yeah. to kind of fuel yeah so awesome. true oh, well, we loved craft I loved craft more craft <laughs> that's our prescription more craft for us more craft do craft <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, the things we did as kids can be really informative as to kind of mm-hmm. who we can be at our best when we're adults as well. You know, often we forget them because all the other priorities get in the way. But yeah, craft was your thing when you were little. Then you know, and it probably fuels a lot of the creative stuff you do now too. That yes, very yeah, true. Something. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, you know, sometimes just do it for fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Oh, so and there's these two things so simple. Yeah. What's what's the next? Is there another one? Okay, so the next one is R. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah. next one is R, and that's for relationships. Ah. So lots of us know about the benefits of relationships. That humans are social animals. Mm-hmm. We need and want connection mm-hmm. with other people. Doesn't necessarily mean lots of people that convey. In fact, a lot of the research suggests that certainly for resilience, you know, having one person in your life that you know that you can always rely on who will mm-hmm. love and support you is all that's really required so quality over quantity yeah but relationships are part of what fuels our well-being and, and through fuels our ability to thrive you know just connecting with somebody else and again yeah. simple things you know having a coffee making yeah call spending time with somebody that you don't get to spend time with all that often who you know really helps you, mm-hmm. um, even perhaps just thinking about the people in wow. your life, you know, a bit of gratitude in there as well. Yeah. People who are important to you. So, I mean, I think relation, it's kind of a pretty obvious one. You yeah. Know, yes. You know that that's what the R stands for. Yeah. You know, what we're supposed to do is, is, and equally I think sometimes we can be very, it can be very helpful to be a little bit, I suppose, discerning about who we're spending our time yeah. with. So, you know, we know, well, we don't necessarily know, but we are the sum of the people who surround us. You know, yeah. their, their influence on us is significant. And if we're spending a lot of time with people who we know don't make us feel like we're thriving, then that's something to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes we can tweak, you know, how we spend our time and who we spend our time with, yeah. spend it more with the people that we know really benefit us. And I think that's been one of the glorious things about the internet, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for those of us who were around before the internet, <laughs> is that, you know, we can build communities just as, just as you're doing, yeah. you know, from around the globe without... Yeah needing to be physically in the same place so you can actually spend time and engage with those people who make you feel good no matter where in the world they are it's just amazing i love this yeah which is a lovely thing about you know i think it's one of the, the great boons of technology mm, has yeah. been that it's it's able to fuel a little bit of that relationship component of well-being in a way that perhaps we couldn't do as easily we were kind of stuck with the people who were geographically close to yeah, us yeah so true, true. Yeah. we can we can mingle with anybody we like we can find exactly. those people find our tribe yeah spend time with our tribes and and um but be discerning about that so mm-hmm. i know one of the concerns particularly with things like instagram is coming for a lot of flack because it really plays into what psychology calls social comparison yeah so that tendency to look to others that we think are somehow doing better yeah in life than we are um, and then comparing ourselves to that, and then that actually makes us feel pretty average. Yeah. And again, that's one of those things. Our brain will always look. We won't ever compare. Well, not that we won't ever, but we're far less likely to compare ourselves to the people who we don't think are doing as well. Wow. In life, the stuff that makes us, you know, feel gratitude and wow about ourselves. Our tendency is to always kind of what we call it's it's called comparing upwards. The language is. You know, it's so fascinating, so interesting. Yeah, it's like what we don't have. We focus on what we want that we don't have, what we're lacking. Yeah, yeah. What this is 
think we should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. should be. Yeah, this. Sh- yeah, yeah but, and like, it's and so then, mm. and then because it's on Instagram, it's not even technically real because it can all no, be created. It could be anything. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like I'm just going to pretend in this so photo. Curated too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But the great thing yeah. that I mean, you're saying that this is the the normal thing for us to do is that we compare upwards because I think that sometimes, like, I was one to believe, like, why am I? Why do I have this? Like, why do I compare all the time? Like, does everyone else? <laughs> so. Yeah, we're so human. human. Well, there so, we go. We're all all right then. Yeah, it has a name. It's called social comparison, social comparison theory. And yeah, it is a human tendency, a very normal human tendency to compare ourselves to those that we perceive to be somehow better off than we are or, or in a place that we think we ought to be. And, and it's really unhelpful in some yeah. ways. Yes. It can be inspiring. You know, in some ways True. it can be inspiring and motivating and sometimes mm-hmm. it can fuel our goals if we didn't look to other people and it all comes from being tribal creatures you mm. know and, and having this kind of tendency to always be I suppose in some ways measuring up and watching what other people are doing because that's part of how we learn mm. so you know in some ways that can be really helpful we can look at people who go oh my god that's so cool what they're doing mm-hmm. you know they've inspired me to try that myself or try it in my own mm. way so that's really healthy you know, upwards comparison. Mm. Yeah. But again, yeah. about just paying attention to saying, is this helping me? You know, yeah. looking at looking at all these posts of people who look amazing with their amazing houses and their, you know, yeah. colour coordinated children who don't make noise when you're on a webinar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that actually helping me? Or am I better off watching those people who I go, Oh my god, that's really normal and real. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Definitely like, the real. This All is so real. cool. I love this so much. So uh, there's still, so we still have M. So that's R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So quickly, M. M is a bit more complex. M is about finding meaning and purpose. Ah, also oh, so nice. When we have a sense of meaning in our lives, we know, well, kind of working it backwards, we know that the people who are thriving and flourishing, the people who are most happy, content and satisfied in their lives have a strong sense of meaning and mm. purpose. So then we start to look at, well, how do you create that? And, of course, that's, a, that's quite a complex yeah. thing. Yeah. There's lots of researchers in labs all over the world who are looking at this and, and they're making headway in lots of different little areas. Um, the thing that I suppose has been most helpful to me that I most often share with clients is the idea of meaning as being serving something that's larger than yourself. Mm. so that can happen in lots and lots of different ways it can happen by building a community like your community it can help you know it can happen by through your work Mm -hmm. so I feel that my work really contributes to a sense of meaning and purpose for me in fact my Mm. little mission statement my little purpose statement is to help others live learn and flourish Mm. so you know that's kind of and that guides my parenting it guides my work it guides my all my activities that I do, even my friendships, you know, anything yeah, that I can do so that helps nice. others to live, learn and flourish kind of fuels me. It, it fills my cup. So that's sort of tapping into that sense of meaning and purpose. But it can happen in lots of different ways. You know, I talk to groups where people are, especially because I live in a regional area and in, here in Victoria and, you know, the local footy clubs are big community hubs here. Um, all the big sports clubs are big community hubs. So people who volunteer endless amounts of hours and time mm-hmm. to their local footy club you know, yeah. a sense of meaning and purpose because they're contributing to something larger than themselves because yeah. they're giving back you know they're they're participating it taps into a bit of that social stuff and the relationship stuff as well yeah but, you know, any kind of volunteering we've had some wonderful examples of you know even the rfs the um or the RFS to the CFA here in Victoria, so the Rural Fire um, yeah. Volunteers, you know, that that is a volunteer organisation. amazing. Those people literally put their lives at risk in order to serve their communities, to help other people. Um, and that, I would say, you know, if you ask them whether they've got the words for it or not, I don't know, yeah. but, you know, you'd be able to say somewhere in there that's tapping into a greater sense of meaning and yeah. fueling them, you know, fueling them to thrive, fueling yeah. their well-being. Wow. Um, at the moment that's going to be balanced out with a lot of stresses and a lot of trauma mm, yeah. that they're going to be exposed to as well. But, you know, the very fact that they're in there doing it suggests that that kind of pull towards doing something that's bigger than just them yeah. is part of why they do it. 
we know that's really important. So that's yeah, amazing. volunteering, you know, for some people it's it's spirituality or involvement yeah. in their church. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people it is, for often it's through their work. So for some professions and, and certainly through time we've referred to some people's work as being a calling and that would be, you know, because they're fueled by this sense of yeah. mm-hmm. It's almost like they couldn't not do it. Yeah. You know? um, but for others, yeah, it'll be, you know, for some people it's family. For some yeah. People, yeah. You know involvement in a, a friendship group it'll be yeah. all sorts of different things but that key thing is that you know something bigger than just me that I do yeah because it feels good I yeah. love this oh, oh my gosh and then is one, there one more? more not it's not a simple one it's a, it's a complex one but it's a kind of easy one to describe I suppose and the last one we actually kind of referenced earlier and that is a sense of achievement or accomplishment ah amazing making progress particularly towards our meaningful goals okay so humans are future focused driven even those of us who claim that we don't ever make new year's resolutions and don't ever have goals we all do even if it's as simple as i've got to get the washing out yes you know i am going to cook an amazing dinner for my family or whatever it might be we're all because if we didn't we just you know we'd never get out of bed would we we just so true be couch potatoes i don't know um but you know we've all got and some some of those goals are big and transformative and lifetime type goals yeah and others are really simple and daily type goals but we're all driven by the need to kind of press forward with things Mm -hmm. and when we get that sense of achievement or accomplishment from achieving those goals whatever they are big or small that gives us that little that little dopamine hit Mm -hmm. it's actually you know chemical process that happens in our brain we get positive hormone yeah um when we have that you know tick that thing off the list or achieve that goal and that also just fuels that, you know, makes us feel good. It's all kind of interrelated, mm-hmm. you know, positive emotion, you know, feeling good, made some made some progress, had a success, you know, and that often fuels our determination to keep going. So when we talk about motivation, you know, for, for forever maybe, we've kind of felt like we have to wait for motivation to come to us. You know, mm-hmm. I'll do that when I'm motivated or I've got to wait to be motivated before I start that exercise regime or pursue that goal or read that book or study that course, whatever it might be. But what we actually know about motivation is that it comes once we start taking action. Yeah. So it's sort of that, you know, fake it till you make it sort of, you know, do something Mm -hmm. and then the motivation will come. And that's where the accomplishment comes in. You know, once we achieve something, we're sort of already primed to go, right, what's next? Yeah. What can I do Yeah. Yeah, you build that momentum. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's contributing to your well-being. That's part of that flourishing thing. So there are five wow elements, and that's one model. There's lots of other models. I wow, I liked that. I loved it, and I loved it because it's simple to remember. So positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning and purpose, and achieve achievement, a sense of achievement. Achievement, yeah, achievement or accomplishment. Accomplishment. Perfect. Oh, and, yeah, if we can, I mean, I'm going to write those in my notebook. I know, me too. So I can just remember how important they are as well to acknowledge because I think, you know, we do have all these moments of achievement in our day and maybe we forget to acknowledge, like, the things that we do and how far we come in just one day. So it's so amazing. Yeah, it's like you focus so much on your to-do list instead of having that moment to be like, oh, look how far I've come. And I mean, like, yeah. I, we do that all the time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then we get stressed and, like, worried about all this stuff that hasn't even happened. And it's like, hey, let's just focus on what good we've already yeah. done and get happy. And again, you know, a really simple strategy that you can use is actually at the end of your day making a list because we do. And that's that negativity bias, again, in your brain that I talked yeah. about. Before. You know, we, we always look at all the things we didn't get done that we said we were going to do and then we feel disappointed and despondent. Yeah. But if we actually make a list of all the things that we did get done and kind of celebrate that achievement, you get a whole different emotional response. You know, you, you flooded then with the positive feelings that do motivate you and make you feel good instead of deflating you and making you feel ordinary. Oh, so it just sounds again. so much more fun. This is so good, <laughs> Ellen. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. yeah. Our brains <laughs> don't do us... A great service sometimes yeah <laughs> kind of like, yeah you know they're set up to keep us safe which makes sense but yeah. if they don't they're not always set up to make us 
to help us to thrive. Um, so if we can start to understand what it is that does help us to thrive and, and tweak that thinking, you know, reframe things and do the simple actions, then we're in a far better state in such simple ways. You know, it's not big and complicated. It doesn't require years of therapy. It's just the simple action and doing of it. Oh, this Ah. has been the best. Thank you so much for sharing all of these amazing action steps and all of your knowledge and making it so easy to understand for us. Well, I hope to think, I I like to think that that's my kind of bit of meaning and purpose is trying to translate the complex theory and research into usable everyday type terms and and action steps that people can take. Yeah, amazing. I've got a superpower. I like to think that that's it. Well, I think you you do. Pop it on your achievement list for the day that you definitely (laughs) did it during this session. It was amazing. Uh, We have just a a coffee. Yes, in the sun. With a few more questions. Nice in the sun. It's actually raining here, which is good. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah, you can listen to the rain. rain Yeah. (laughs) So beautiful. So we just have a few more questions for you, Ellen, before we get going. If there was a mantra that you are living by or have lived by previously, what would that be? Oh, look, there's lots of different things. But you know what? I think the most helpful one, and, and it's it's nothing special or fancy. It's not a quote from a famous person. Mm. It's just asking myself the question, is this helping me? Ooh. So whenever I am angry or frustrated or even getting distracted, disappearing down a rabbit hole, whatever it might be, whenever I find myself somewhere in a, uncomfortable, I suppose, might be the best, I just say, is this helping me? And if the answer is no, then it's a little sign to say do something differently. Mm. Yeah, think differently, Gosh. move, go outside, stand up, you know, whatever it might be um, to kind of break that pattern, that little yeah. sequence and get into a path that's more helpful. So that, that is powerful. I'm going to take that. Me too. I'm going to be using that. I'm using that. Yeah. I'm going to use that with with us as well. I'm going to be like, yeah, is this helping us, Emma? No. (laughs) I think that is literally a simple way to just reframe whether you're on the path to your goals. Yeah. Do go down little rabbit warrens and we go, oh, okay, how did I end up here? And is this actually where I want to go? Oh, my gosh. No, then it's just, okay. Let's do it differently. Yeah, let's I love turn this. around or like dig a go another hole. way. Yeah, yeah, sure. Wow! Take a break. Yeah, mm. it's your thinking. If you're starting to go down one of those kind of chains of, oh my god, you know, everyone's annoying me. This is just wrong. I'm mm. so hopeless. Whatever mm-hmm. it might be that we all do, um, you know, it's it's stopping, noticing. Is this helping me? If not, what am I going to do about it? Oh, I love this so much. That's amazing. Uh, The next question is, what is a book that you love and that you'd recommend for all of us to read? Okay. Um, So I always struggle with this one because a lot of the books that I read are kind of pretty academic. Yes. (laughs) Kind of research-based. But having said that, um, you know, anything by Brene Brown is amazing. Mm, So I'm reading Dare to Lead at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But her books, because she does such a wonderful job of the science and explaining it in really easy, relatable ways, Mm -hmm. any of her books. In terms of positive psychology, if people are interested in learning a little bit more about that. So I mentioned Martin Seligman as the father Mm. of positive psychology, and he's got um, a couple of books, one in particular called Flourish. Mm-hmm. It's just called, it's probably got a subtitle, but I can't remember what it is. Um, so, but his book Flourish basically explains some of the science behind this and where it came from. Mm-hmm. And really it's a good introduction to the concepts. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I tell people to be quiet for a moment. <laughs> Boys. <laughs> <laughs> It's like we get a little insider look into how life yes, is, right? Yeah, and trying to work during school holidays. <laughs> and of course, our very last question, which I know everyone's going to really want to know more about, is where can everyone go and find more information about everything you do? Yeah, so there's a couple. Well, the first point of call probably is just my website, which is mm-hmm. potential.com.au. 
and that will link to so I've got a podcast which goes out weekly where I interview the people that I learn all this stuff from mm. so that's what's really cool and, mm-hmm. and you know a really a wonderful well-being tick for me is being able to have those conversations yeah so I try and gather you know the expertise from around the world people who work in the field of positive psychology mm. but also neuroscience uh, well-being generally a whole raft of different fields and I pick their brains so that we can kind of capture some of that information and that expertise and pass it out to the rest of the world. Uh, so that's where you find the podcast. That's where you find a bit about me, where to contact me, my online stuff. So I do online one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. with people. I also do it face-to-face for anybody who happens to be in Ballarat mm. in Victoria. <laughs> And uh, the podcast itself is on all the podcast platforms, so Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify. And so if you just look up Potential Psychology, so it's just called the Potential Psychology Podcast. And then I'm on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and I've got a Facebook group for the podcast and, you know, all of those sorts of places as well. Perfect. All of the fun things. So we're going to make sure that all of those links are on Ellen's speaker page, so make sure you do go and check that out. Click all those links, follow, subscribe, do all of that because I think we have so much more to learn. I'm really excited about it, actually. It's made me feel excited. Yeah, me too. So thank you so much for your time, your knowledge, your advice. We are so grateful. You are very welcome. And thank you for the opportunity to share all of this stuff with a wider audience because that is, like I said, my purpose is to try and, you know, help everybody to live, learn and flourish. So if this is you know, excited and inspired and perhaps triggered in our lovely audience here mm. a opportunity or a thought to learn more than, you know, my work is done and you have paved the way for that to happen. So thank you both very Aww. much. Yay. Thank you, Ellen. <laughs> and we'll see you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.